Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. In multifamily, you you have to be responsive to prospects coming in, especially because there's lots of options out there for them. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, I want to mention Trevor McGregor. Trevor is a real estate results coach. I've been paying him and working with him for years now. He actually is responsible for giving me the idea to do a podcast. So it's not only about transactions that he gives advice on how to find more deals, how to make more money, but also how to build a holistic plan around your real estate entrepreneurship endeavors. That's what I love about working with Trevor, that and being held accountable for what I say I'm going to do and actually making sure that I follow through and do it. I feel like I'm a pretty results-oriented, accountable kind of person, but it's always nice to have someone who's there guiding you along the way and giving you strategy as well as psychology tips for how to deal with you know the things that come up as a real estate entrepreneur. Trevor has made a wonderful offer for the best ever listeners, and that is that he's offering a free coaching session. Go to coachwithtrevor.com. That's C-O-A-C-H-W-I-T-H-T-R-E-V-O-R.com. Highly recommend them. I've worked with them before. I'm currently working with them right now as my business, as my real estate investing coach. Highly recommend you do the same. Take them up on his offer. Get a free coaching session. Coachwithtrevor.com. Best ever listeners. Well, how you doing? Happy Saturday. I hope you're having a best ever weekend. And because it's Saturday, well, you know what's going on. We're doing Situation Saturday where we put our best ever guests in a sticky situation. And it's not a situation that they're going to come up with hypotheticals on. It's a situation that they have lived and breathed and come out on the other end. And they're going to share with us how they did that. And with us today, we have a previous best ever guest, episode 531. If you want to go listen to his best advice ever, how you doing, Spencer Culler? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great as well. So glad that you joined us again on the show. And boy, your situation with the apartment building that you're going to talk about, I am incredibly interested in hearing and a little bit about Spencer uh, and best ever listeners. I know you're loyal and you already know this about him because you remember episode 531. So I'm going to make this quick. He's the director of commercial acquisitions at Apartment Investors. He is based in Kansas City, Kansas. He's been involved in over $20 million worth of deals, including multifamily and retail center. 
You can say hi to him at an apartment investors.com there's a link in the show notes page with that being said spencer you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and tell us about this sticky situation sure sure well um my background is i I grew up kind of in a family business not really related to real estate Uh, went to college came out got a good job in a fortune 500 company in the marketing department and then went to work for a small uh, tech startup company I spent seven years there before going out on my own to build a real estate business. And we uh, started with spec home building and construction, went into a commercial center, and then into multifamily apartments. So we've kind of done a little bit of uh, a lot of different areas, but multifamily is kind of our passion and where we uh, see ourselves moving forward. All right. And the best ever listeners, again, you can hear more of his story in episode 531 in, in the background. But uh, I, I think that's great for our purposes today as far as setting the stage. Now, on this apartment building that you've done and, and the management of it, what, what went on with that? Well, it was one of or it was the first multifamily property we ever purchased. And, you know, we had gone through all the seminars and the, the trainings and, and managed commercial properties before. But when we went into to multifamily, you know, we'd always been told, buy it, get a good management company in there, and, and then just manage the manager. That really didn't work the way we expected it to when we got into there. Shortly after purchasing this property, we had rolled through two management companies uh, before finally having to take it over and start our own management company. But when we purchased it, this was a property in a great area. It needed some rehab. So we came in first and I oversee a lot of our rehab projects. So came in, we did the physical rehab. And how big uh, is it? And, and how much did it cost? Only a, a 40 unit property and, and we bought it for right under $1.2 million. It's about $30,000 a unit here in Kansas City. It's in a great area, had great bones, but definitely needed an update and had not been managed professionally, but had been owned by the same owner since it was built in 1983. So um, real long, continuous owner, but it was a passive owner who just put a a property manager in charge and left it. He was a full-time professional and, and really real estate wasn't his passion. It was just a side business for him. So it had produced well for them um, and it was definitely one of the things we were interested in is that it had long continuous ownership and it was in a really good part of town here in Kansas City but had definitely been run down um, had good structural bones as we like to call them but needed a real facelift and upgraded the interior the units which had never been updated since the early 80s. So there needed to be a pretty major repositioning done and and rehab for the property since the owner was, uh, you put it politely, passive. But yes, <laughs> there there are many many ways to describe that. When you first qualified the management company that you initially worked with, how did you qualify them? We went through. We interviewed several. We found one that had been managing similar size properties and in similar areas. They had a pretty decent track record. We talked to a couple other owners that they had, had had done good work with. So, you know, things seemed like they would go real well. 
and we felt strongly about the property and and that it was um, underperforming based on on market comps and what their current rents were, which were well below market. That if we did these upgrades, we could we could definitely pop the rents, but also get the occupancy up. So I felt like we did the the due diligence on that company. We actually only had them on the property for about three months, uh, oh. and the problem the problem <laughs> that we were having is that we couldn't get financial reports from them <laughs> oh that's that's important <laughs> yes you can't you can't manage the manager if you don't see what the finances are doing yes and we knew the property wasn't performing how it was supposed to be but we were spending a lot of money and not getting anything back which a lot of times in a reposition like that you don't expect to get money back right away but for us as hands-on managers uh, it was really alarming that we couldn't get the financials that we were requesting on a monthly basis and even you know on a weekly basis and what we found there was that uh, there was definitely some uh, bad practices going on with the accounting team and actually the person that was in charge of our property shortly after we canceled our services with them and in out of necessity had to make it change was let go for several reasons but uh, think there was some embezzlement going on as well in okay three months you Mm -hmm. then pulled the plug on them after month one what was your conversation like with them our goal is always to work with somebody and and help them through you know if there's a problem we try to get through it We're, we're very loyal but we had asked them over and over again for the financial reports that we wanted, occupancy receipts for certain things that um, had been spent on the property. And they just kept giving this, us the story like they're coming, they're coming, we're just behind. But after over a month, two months, they still weren't there. And so we started doing more more digging and more digging and some of the money was just uh, going missing. Hmm. Okay. You've got, at this point, you've done your due diligence on Mm -hmm. on them. What went wrong? I I think it was just an unfortunate situation where they had an employee that um, was not doing what they were supposed to be doing and not enough oversight in the company. I think it was... It was not a huge, huge management company. I think the one person was overwhelmed with too many properties and had been given too much responsibility. And we know your ultimate solution because we know that you're self-managing now. But (laughs) So you might have a very short answer, but I do want to ask you, besides (laughs) self-managing, how do you mitigate that from happening and have a successful relationship with a third-party management company? Well, I, I think one of the keys is that you've got to know what's going on with your property. You've got to know. I think it's really hard for people just getting started because they don't know what they don't know. Some of that takes some experience. One thing I've always prided myself is that I've done every aspect of property management and ownership of a property. So I know how long certain repairs take or how long it takes or the costs associated with turning a apartment unit from one tenant to the next or if we need to replace this or that how much that should cost and how much time it should take but i i think you've always got to have some oversight and checks and balances in place with whatever management company 
you go with, or if, even if you do it yourself, you, you need to know how that property and how that business operates. I, I think it's really hard to be just totally passive as an owner. I, I feel like you definitely have to know what is going on on your property and, and how to spot when there's trouble from a financial statement down to the operations. All right, now it's month two or three, and you've decided no more with this property managing company. What did you do? How did you approach the conversation? We were very you know, upfront with them and, and that we were not getting the information we needed. We didn't feel like the property was going in the direction we wanted and that we were going to step in and make a change. We ended up having to go to one of the owners of that property management company. We were able to actually have a pretty low-paying transfer of information over. All right. And uh, whatever whatever information was available, right? (laughs) Yes. Yes. And and there was a lack of documentation and a lack of information and and backups. Okay. So you now have the Knight in Shining Armor, the second property management company, so you think. How did you find them and and screen or qualify them? We did a a similar thing. We spent a lot more time talking with current owners um, that they were working with, and that really helped so we could find out kind of what their strengths and weaknesses were. We really wanted to pair it up with somebody who had managed that size of property before because 40 units can be a little difficult to manage because there's not the payroll expense there that you can really have an on-site manager or maintenance. So you're always dealing with contractors or people that are only part-time on the property. We went out and did our due diligence, found another company that had a good reputation. And actually, it went really smoothly with them for a while. They were doing a great job with the maintenance on the property make readies were getting done. The challenge that they were having was leasing. They had another property that was close and similar in size that they were managing as well, but that property sold and the new owner brought in a new management company. And so then we ended up being the property kind of out on an island. Mm, yeah. Uh, there was, you know, an extra 15 minutes from their other properties. And with 40 units, you've really got to have somebody close by or with other properties close by because what we were finding is what the, the marketing was, was definitely lacking, um, but also leasing ability. So they would have people call, but then they would try to schedule them for three days out so they could schedule them all together. And then the people would have already found other apartments by then. In multifamily, you you have to be responsive to prospects coming in, especially because there's lots of options out there for them. So it, things were going well from a technical standpoint. We were getting the documents and everything that we needed, but occupancy just kept going steadily down. And when we finally stepped in, I had gone on and spent a lot more time out on the property, kind of observing what was going on. And the occupancy had actually been brought down from about... 90% or 88% or something down to almost 64% when we've got to step in. And if, if it's not going to work, we're going to do it under our terms. Mm-hmm. Wow. And one thing owners know is that you care about your properties more than anybody else. We just, we stepped in, we took over the management 
we had managed some commercial properties and other things, but I had just made the transition over. I was doing work on just the real estate business on the side during my normal business job or work job at the software company and had just made the transition over to do it full time. So it presented an opportunity for me to step in and take over the management and then start a a management company as well. Did you know it was at 64%? Well, we had seen it kind of slowly stepping down. They were getting rid of people that weren't paying, which was good. Uh, (laughs) They were just not filling as fast as they were getting rid of. So I had seen it go down, but on a 40 unit complex again you have you lose a few tenants you can lose 10 percent 20 percent of your tenant base real quick where that's one of the advantages if you have 150 units 200 units losing three or four tenants doesn't make a big difference but in a small property it makes a huge difference what was that conversation like with them we had had a good relationship with them at the time and and we'd kind of talk to them all the way through and we were trying to come up with solutions for marketing and things to get leasing up and we finally just had to sit down with them and and told them that um, you know due to the occupancy stuff we were going to step in and and take over and they were actually uh, okay with it and we still have a good relationship to this day they've referred other properties over to us to buy we've referred other management things over to them um, that were out of our area. So we maintained a good relationship with them. But it, at the end of the day, it's about what's best for the property. The property management side, mm-hmm. what did you do different that they weren't doing to lease? From a just pragmatic standpoint, we went and looked at all the the advertising or marketing that was out there and just changed around the pictures for one. They were using pictures that were dim, dimly lit or out of focus or just not top notch. So we displayed it differently. We we put together a model and took pictures. And so the marketing changed from a, a major standpoint. We were also uh, made a point of being very responsive to calls that came in. And we actually dropped all of our paid paid advertising and just went to uh, Craigslist. We talked with our current tenants that were there and got a, a referral program together. And within a month and a half, we were fully occupied again. We went from 65% to 100% with a late waiting list and actually raised rents about 10% in that time in about a month and a half to two months that, after taking over. That's amazing. And did you <laughs> stick to the same strict criteria that they had when leasing we did i think they believe the rents needed to be lower to attract the tenants but i've never believed on leasing or selling on price and so i think we just by presenting it different by doing more you know service and personalized attention to our tenants we were able to to step up even the type of tenant that we were getting and the price that they were willing to pay to live there. And it it fell in nicely, too, with a lot of the upgrades we were doing on the property. How have you scaled that? How how long ago was that? Um, Let's see. That was four years ago, probably. Four years ago. Okay. How many properties have you purchased between now and then? About four. 
About four. Okay. Four or five. Four or five. Are they apartment buildings? They are. Okay. And what's the largest one? It is about 100, 160 units. 160 units. How have you scaled that personal attention and better service through your business to maintain that while not going crazy working 80 hours a week? I think it's a, about a culture that you create inside your business where being willing to do whatever it takes and then passing that on to your employees and for your property managers and maintenance people and, and that service attitude towards our tenants, I think we've created a culture where everybody in it is willing to do what it takes to go the extra mile to pick up that piece of trash when they walk by it that's really helped us kind of scale as we go so if you if you can create that kind of culture you can hire good people which again will treat your tenants with respect and I think it's also helped to bring in people who um, have a vision for a lot of times we're taking over properties that have been run down or have been let go by the owners. So we're bringing in people who can see what it's going to look like when we're done with it. And I think that's been a really big thing. What's one specific tip to create that culture? I, I think it starts from the top. I think it starts from the the owners to the um, president of the company and they need to see you do the same things that you're asking. I, I think when they know that you would do anything that you're asking them to do and you treat them with that respect, uh, I think they return it. I know we've seen that in our business and it's really helped us uh, exponentially grow and really increase the value of our properties and um, you know increase returns, revenues, all of that is is because I think it boils down to that culture we've created. I completely agree, uh, as well as tactics, but it, it certainly is a trickle down from starting with the, the people leading the charge and then uh, what you can do to influence uh, the, the rest of the team in an empowering way. I'm actually reading Master the Rockefeller Habits by Vern Harnish right now. And it's t uh, the uh, subtitle is what what you must do to increase the value of your fast growth firm. It's a book a couple best ever guests have recommended on the show, and I I think um, it aligns really well with this conversation and, and what you're what you're saying. I'm gonna have to check that one out. Yeah, yeah, if, it, it, it's it's really really good book. I was underlining and making notes. Uh, after maybe like page three, I mean, it was uh, right out of the right out of the gate. I was I was doing doing some uh, good note taking. Well, Spencer, thank you for being on the show and Situation Saturday and spend some time with us on your weekend and very much appreciate the stories that you mentioned uh, and and talked about that all tie back to how to work with third party property management companies and how to uh, not work with third-party property management <laughs> companies um, as well as you know create your own company the things to look for i mean you can qualify as much as you possibly are able to and do reference checks and, and speak to investors as you did with the second property management company but uh, at the end of the day 
you're going to have to really just see how they perform. As with any employees too, and and business partners, you can do all the due diligence in the world, but boy, you know when the chips are on the table, then you really see you know the the the, the character. And in some cases, it's not even the character; just like the skill set that are there aren't there, or the focus. So really appreciate it. I hope you have a best ever weekend, Spencer, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. If you're looking for new multi-unit investment options in stable top-notch markets, then turn to Fourplex Investment Group at fig.us. That's F-I-G dot U-S. Fig specializes in new construction multi-units and managed communities perfectly suited for A-caliber investors. Go to fig.us. Did you achieve all your real estate goals in 2015? Well, if you did, congratulations. Fist bump to you. If you didn't, then go to coachwithtrevor.com. Trevor McGregor is my business coach, my real estate coach. He's also been a guest on the show, episode 320. He is offering a free coaching session for the best ever listeners. Just go to coachwithtrevor.com and it'll help you to achieve your real estate goals in 2016.